Welcome to the Highlight Positive Podcast. I'm Deanne Goodman. I believe there is too much negativity in the media. In fact, I used to be one of those reporters chasing those stories. Now I'm on a mission to highlight the good and spread positivity. Inspiration is contagious. So let's hear from some of the most inspiring people who do amazing things and learn how we too can positively impact the world around us. Earlier this year, I was at a beach cleanup at Kellogg Park in La Jolla, and Urban Surf for Kids was there. The program takes foster and at-risk kids surfing. The reporter in me thought, okay, this is so cool. Why doesn't everyone know about this charity, and why have I never heard about it? I am so glad I met Craig Jenkins, the San Diego president, that day, because Urban Surf for Kids needs to be highlighted, and so does Craig. Craig has been a part of Urban, as he calls it, since 2012 and worked with the founder, Wesley Stewart, to create a surf therapy program to support foster and at-risk youth who are overcoming PTSD, physical, and emotional trauma. He is a full-time volunteer staff member by day and a full-time federal agent for Homeland Security by night. I'm sure he wouldn't love this title, but the guy is a superhero. Thanks to his tenacity and for pushing the boundaries, he is changing hundreds of lives and creating a family, or ohana, that they didn't have before. Welcome, Craig. Well, let's just go right into it. When I met you in the park, one thing that stood out to me was that you said in San Diego, a lot of these foster youth had never even been to the beach before. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so it was, it was actually very interesting. When you came to our program that day, we actually had a group in from Nevada that were that traveled down here to come experience ocean therapy. And a, a lot of those kids absolutely never experienced the ocean. For some of them, they actually saw the ocean for the first time. But here locally, you know, it's, it's kind of interesting because you know, we think of San Diego, we're so close to the ocean and, and you think that everybody gets to enjoy the ocean. And for foster youth, there's, you know, that's just not a possibility. And there's, there's, some, there's some legal stuff that's in place to protect the kids and the different group homes. But if you're in a group home in San Diego, they are not legally allowed to let you enter the ocean, which is kind of crazy when you think that we live in San Diego, which has some of the most beautiful beaches. And that's really the foundation of urban. We came in, we have the trained staff, we have the insurance liabilities, and we create this relationship with the group homes first to allow them to bring a, to allow us to bring the kids into the water. Um, so we got all the approvals through the state, the judges, everybody, and um, you know our program's been around since two thousand nine. Wow, I had no idea. That's crazy that they weren't allowed to enter the ocean. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, when we first had this concept of, uh, of actually doing this program, Wes went out and he was like, I, I'm inspired. I want to do this program. And he knocks on the door of the first the foster home and says, I want to take your kids surfing. And they're like, we can't do that. And we won't do that. So then we keep going. We next, hit the next door. You hit the next door. You got no, no, no. And then finally said, somebody said, well, we can't do that, but maybe we can. And that's how we all started. So those have just been, uh, you know, like legal roadblocks for us. Then we decided, let's take these state foster kids and let's bring them on a vacation to Hawaii and take them out of the state 
So then we're really pushing our buttons. But, you know, just dealing with these kids, it's, it's not like a conventional family. You're not, mm-hmm. you're not getting a permission slip signed by your mom. You're getting a permission slip signed by a judge. So if I want to do something with a kid, if I want to even just take a picture and have them share a moment or have something, um, I have to get approval through a judge. So when you're dealing with, you know, 600 kids annually, it could be a little overwhelming. Is that how many kids you have in the program? About 600 that you work with? Yeah, this year we, we serve just over 600. We concentrate on 15 to 18. The years 15 to 18, that's when life is getting real in foster care. Uh, you transition out at 18. So we try to support that, that back half uh, with our Ohana-style family support. With that being said, I have little two-year-old Groms that come out and we push them in on waves. So, you know, everybody's invited, but we definitely, we work on the transitional age foster youth. What's been the most rewarding part for you? I think for me, it's seeing the individual stories that come out. I mean, you know, there's so much talk about quantifying what you're doing and, you know, it's great to have numbers. It's great to have this and it's great to have that. But when I see those individual success stories or, you know, a a foster youth will come to one of our volunteers or myself and say, hey, you made this profound change in my life. It just really takes this concept as something so small could just be the biggest thing in somebody's life. Do you have any particular stories that stand out in your mind? We deal with a, a bunch of heavy stuff sometimes. I mean, you know, the reality for these kids, life is very heavy. You know, we had a, a young girl that came to our program, Destiny. She came at a very young age. It was a very uh, tough time in her life. She had been abused uh, by her biological family, uh, by her biological father. And there was just an incredible story of survival. But she, you know, had to overcome this fact that she needed to go and testify in court. And it scared her. And she, she didn't feel like she had the support to do that. And she came to one of our camps as a foster youth, probably at one of the lowest points or the scariest points of her life. At our camp that day, we had a paraplegic athlete. And he talked about his journey and his struggle getting back into the water and dealing with you know, depression and addiction. And, and she just looked out at the ocean and saw this guy and said, well, if if he could be a paraplegic athlete and get in the water and conquer those fears, I could do this. Her foster mom uh, introduced those two together. And this has been one of the biggest success stories, I think, in urban because they have just become a rock for each other. So, you know, on top of that, so that relationship created, you know, Charles Webb became this person for, for destiny. And then in turn, the full cycle of Urban Surf for Kids happened and Destiny ended up being that rock for a same, the same situation for a young girl who was in our program as well. So, uh, so much so that we took Destiny to Hawaii with that girl when we took her on our Dreaming of Aloha program. Wow, that's amazing. I mean, just even the opportunity to go to Hawaii for a foster youth is probably something they might not have ever dreamed of. Absolutely. What is that program? This Dreamy of Aloha trip takes, you know, 15 youth to Hawaii for seven days. And um, this is a trip that's a, it's an achievement program. So the kids apply for it. They have to have a GPA. Um, they have to meet the GPA requirement. 
good standing in their home, and then we complete two volunteer projects uh, before you leave. That's part of the part of the deal. They do some classes with us, water survival, swim lessons. So it's basically this whole program. They work towards this final goal of going on their first family vacation with what we are, their Ohana. That's amazing. How many of those have you done? So we're going on our fifth year. We're leaving on December 6th for our uh, fifth annual Dream of Aloha. Um, you know, for most people, you think, this is just a Hawaii vacation. And, you know, for a normal person, it's, I go on vacation all the time. I might go up to, to Mammoth to snowboard. Or I'll, I'll go down to Mexico to go surf. But these kids don't get that opportunity. When we actually proposed this idea, even the clinicians at some of these group homes were like, you know, we can't get their hopes up because, like, this is not going to work. And we're on our fifth year. So you just got to keep pushing those boundaries. How do you stay positive? when there's a difficult situation. So you had said, you know, that they often have some pretty traumatic things that, you know, you're learning about, or maybe you have some red tape that you have to go through. How do you stay positive during those situations? Yeah, you know, it's, it's interesting. You know, when you work with these kids, you're like, you, you think of them as conventional kids. So you want to go in there and it's, it's very linear, you know, like, okay, here's this kid, they've been through a lot. I'm just going to jump in there. I'm going to love on them. They're going to love back on me. And we're going to create this beautiful bond, right? That's the dream. That's when you probably join Urban Surfer Kids or you join our mentoring program. That's probably your intention. You think just straight love is just going to, um, is going to create that. But these kids have been through a lot. Their guards are up. They'll push you away, push you away, push you away. So you kind of got to you know, push through that. I think doing the training with our volunteers, which we do in our mentoring program, really clarified that for us because you see a lot of stuff and you just don't understand it. You don't understand why this kid is pushing you away or why they seem withdrawn. My driving force is those moments when everything just, that guard comes down or that kid after four, six or seven months finally breaks down and starts talking to you. I've I took a kid to Hawaii two years ago and I think she might have said maybe a dozen words to me and then in Hawaii she just completely opened up and she was out there surfing one day and she caught a wave I remember she just I had saw her right on our takeoff and she caught this wave it was like the longest wave of the day is down there in Waikiki and then her arms went up the smile came on she laughed and she turned around that and she was like Craig did you see that and that, that is the moment that you live for right there. Yes, those are totally the moments that you live for. You're changing so many people's lives. Like, I think that's so incredible. Is it their first time going on a flight? It's, it's actually pretty funny. I mean, you, we could probably just stop the trip at the airport, to tell you the truth. <laughs> they get so excited just to go. I mean, they, they, most of them, I would say probably about 90% of them have never been on a plane. So that alone is just very exciting for them. Which is funny because 90% of us who travel are like, oh, the airport. <laughs> yeah. Oh, for them, they're like completely stoked. They're running around the terminal. And then, you know, then it's funny because like the plane starts and now they're like, oh, wait, this is new. And then like they're taking off. And, you know, some of these like outspoken kids get really quiet. And then some of the quiet kids are like super excited. So it's just interesting to see their reactions. That's so cool. And then they land in paradise, which is so perfect. That's amazing. I love that. Tell us about ocean therapy. What does that do for someone? It's kind of a new concept. It's, it's uh, definitely something that 
you know, not only Urban Surf for Kids, but the International Surf Therapy Organization and even the Navy is looking into. The Navy has a $1 million grant right now studying the physical and emotional effects of surf therapy on PTSD and trauma uh, participants. So for us, when we look at the statistics on foster care, there was a study that came out of Harvard and the foster youth are twice as likely to have PTSD than a war veteran. And I, when I read this, I was like, I, I must have read this thing like a hundred times because I'm like, I couldn't believe it. I'm like, wait, you have a war veteran and then you have our foster kids. And, and then I kind of understood it. It's like, you know, they're experiencing so much at a young age mm -hmm. and they don't have any coping mechanisms. So, um, so that's the number one thing we're seeing with our kids. We're seeing PTSD, physical and emotional trauma. The water does an amazing thing. It's like the biggest equalizer that I know of. It forces you to be present. So when you're dealing with PTSD and you're dealing with trauma, it's almost like this, these mental scars, they just consume your life and you can never release from it. But the ocean forces you to be completely present. When you're out there with your surf instructor, you listen to their instructions, you're seeing a wave come in. Wave comes in, am I gonna go over it? Am I gonna duck dive it? All right, I'm past that wave. Okay, I see a wave I wanna catch. I turn my board around. I gotta paddle really hard. I'm up on the wave, I'm riding the wave across. And then in those 45 seconds or that one minute, you were free. That's incredible to be in that mindfulness in the present like that. Have you had any kids, and I feel like I should call them teenagers, really, but I'll keep calling them kids. But have you had any that are petrified to go in or just, you know, maybe they just feel more comfortable sitting on the sand? Do you ever have that situation? Or is everyone like, okay, let's do this. Let's try it. Yeah, it's funny. I mean, when we, Wes and I were first starting this whole thing, we were like, oh, we're urban surf for kids. We're going to create surfers. They're going to be pros and this and that. We learned that ocean therapy, it's, it's not about getting in the ocean or surfing, or it's just to be about being at, in, on, or under the water. So I have kids that just come, and they, um, they'll come every, every camp and just sit on the beach and watch the ocean. One of the kids we had in our program, he was suffering with, uh, with autism. Awesome kid, a part of our program. He was, just, he was really like the life of our program. And it took us, we ended up taking him to Hawaii it took us probably about three or four years just to get him to Hawaii. And probably about half that time was just getting him into the water up to his waist. Mm. So, um, but it's such a healing thing, you know, and even for him to feel the confidence and feel the love and support to actually conquer that fear. Um, it's pretty powerful. That's really powerful. And it's a family. So Ohana means family in Hawaiian, which I know from a Disney movie, I think. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so you're, you got it. Do they instantly form those kind of bonds with each other? Or is it, do you guys do like icebreaker games? How, did, how does the family come together? For us, it's about consistency. A lot of the times these kids, if they're in a group home or, or they're, you know, in individual foster homes, it's common for me to have a kid who's been in seven, eight, nine different placements. So for us, the bonds are created with consistency. And I'll give you an example of this. We have uh, one volunteer. He's an in-water instructor. He's an awesome dude, so dedicated to our program, literally comes every time. And there's a, a young kid that comes and surfs with him. And his foster mom calls, calls this volunteer every time for the past two years before each event to make sure that they're going because they have surfed together for two years. 
So that's what it's about. Those bonds will be created when you have that consistency. And, you know, when you come to Urban Surf for Kids every month, it's the same people. So you might be moving around from different homes and this is your new mom or this is your new home and this is your new environment. But the thing that really feels like home is seeing your family once a month. It's actually kind of funny. I don't have any uh, kids of my own, no biological kids. I, I'm not a foster parent, uh, but I do feel like I have hundreds of kids. You know, this program has literally um, taken up so much of my life and, and my wife's life that we had to make some decisions in order to do that. And one of that was we're being drawn into this charity and how can we, how can we best support that? And, you know, one of those decisions was, well, if we had our own kids, would we be able to dedicate as much time? So um, that is just the level of uh, commitment that we've that we have with this organization. She runs registration and kind of all the intricacies of that whole process, which is pretty big when a surf camp's over 200 people. That's a, I mean, that's a big sacrifice just for you and your wife to delay possibly having a family of your own biologically to do this. Were you guys both in nonprofit backgrounds before? Absolutely not. My, uh, my wife is a nurse, so she naturally is just a, a caring person. Uh, and such an amazing human being. So, but for me, I didn't have a nonprofit background. I did a little bit with the Big Brother Big Sister program. But when I was growing up, I was in a program that was kind of similar to Urban Surf for Kids, and it was kind of like this achievement program. If I worked really hard, I was in New York at the time. I had this opportunity to get into this program, and they would take us to Martha's Vineyard, which is, you know, one of the richest islands on the East Coast, for the entire summer to live like this dream life always work hard. I, I got over there and uh, we would go every summer. It was like such an awesome experience. It really shaped who I was or who I am now. But I remember one thing from this, this all these years I spent out there, it was one day in particular. Um, it was probably for now that, now that I run a charity, it was probably just, you know, something I did for the day, but there was an open house at this Coast Guard base. It was a tiny little Coast Guard base. I think they had like two boats. It was up in Menemsha in Martha's Vineyard and they took us there, you know, kind of the, go enjoy the open house. The Coast Guard people dressed us up in the Coast Guard outfits and put helmets on us and told us about the boats that flipped over and this and that. It was probably, we probably spent about a couple hours there. That left such a um, profound memory in my mind that when I turned 18, that was the first thing I did is I joined the Coast Guard. A kid growing up in Yonkers, New York, I would have never ended up in Martha's Vineyard or at a Coast Guard base. So I was like, that something so small affected two hours of, of that person's day changed my entire life. In fact, we are having a very big moment. Uh, one of the girls that we worked with in our program, Anna, Anna Anderson, she is an incredible human being. She uh, has become a mentor and really come back and really worked with our program post foster care. But she is graduating college in early December. It's out in Arizona. We're all going out there to support her. Um, doesn't sound like a crazy thing for everybody else because, you know, that's kind of like a common thing for somebody. But in foster care, only 3% typically graduate college. So this is a huge moment for Anna. She's survived so much and she's been such an inspiration for our kids. So we're excited. That gives me chills. I just got chills from that. That is so cool. What about with the stats you were saying? So 3% end up in college. Any other shocking statistics? It's, it's kind of crazy. So 
you know, this number kind of fluctuates, but it kind of hones around 50% of these kids will end up homeless on drugs or in jail. We really started, you know, looking into that. We're like, well, why is that happening? It's because there's not really, you know, a support network. It's one thing to have like somebody from the state that's like assigned to you to, you know, you have to check in once a week. But what about that person that really cares for you? I mean, for a lot of us, you know, your parents push you along in life, you know, whether it's um, emotionally or, you know, financially. Um, and these kids don't have that background. So they, their demons come real at 18. And then, you know, and then sometimes the statistics get them, you know. To be on your own at 18 financially is really difficult for anyone to make it and not be homeless in San Diego. Absolutely. I mean, it's a tall order for somebody who doesn't really have a huge uh, network of support. It just seems like with these statistics of them ending up, you know, a really good chance of homelessness and drug abuse and jail, it seems like a broken system. Yeah, you know, it, it's, a, it's a tough system. You know, I feel like they're, they're trying their best. They put the support networks in there. Um, but a lot of times I think it just comes down to the consistency and there's just, there's really no family unit. A lot of these kids are really tough. I mean, you can't just blame the system. A lot of the kids are very tough. They've been through some incredible trauma. So you, know, you, could, have a, you could have a foster family that has the best intentions, you know, and they want to just do that. They want to bring this kid in who's just been through so much and just give them the best life. But, you know, a lot of times they're faced with some really hard decisions too. So I don't really know the answer. I mean, you know, you could, you could bring some of these kids in and, and, um, and it could, you know, affect your home in a negative way with your own biological kids. And, you know, there's stuff that goes on. You're dealing with, um, you know, food issues, stealing, you're dealing with some, you know, these kids are, have been through trauma. They're in survival mode, you know? So it's not something that like most conventional people are, are used to dealing with. So, I mean, the answer for this, I, I, I wish I had it because I would just be up there in Sacramento and just lobbying for, mm -hmm. you know, but I really don't know what it is. But I know that when you surround these kids with love, that the statistics are changing. And that's something we're starting to study with Urban Surf for Kids, where we're working on some grants that are going to do just that. But even here locally, we're going to be uh, implementing our first Im impact report this year. So you could actually see the difference between our kids and the uh, national average. That's amazing. That's so smart to do that. And then the only, I, what comes up to my head when you said that was just reaching them sooner, you know, mm -hmm. when they're younger, before they get into that path. But I mean, obviously, if there was a simple solution, it would have been done a long time ago. So. Absolutely. And, you know, the foster care system is changing. They're, they're putting a more impact or more stress on, you know, having to go to individual foster families versus some of the group homes and, um, you know, but sometimes, you know, I, I know we deal with San Pasquale Academy and they're doing such amazing work with some of these kids up there. Um, I think that it's nice to have that kind of blend, you know? Yeah. And your Ohana is so amazing. Cause like the girl who's graduating college and now she's involved with the next generation of urban surf for kids. So I feel like if anyone knows the solution, it's someone who's come through that system. Absolutely. And I think that's what drives Anna to keep coming back and, and even Destiny to come back. Destiny, uh, who worked uh, with Charles Webb when, when she was in her low point and ended up helping out one of the kids, 
she's come back and she's been a uh, public speaker for us and has been a mentor for the kids at such an early age. She's only 18. I mean, she's probably more mature than I am. So that's the whole like basis of this program. It's like, let's recycle these stories through and give these kids some hope. That is so awesome. When I met you in the park, coming up was your Surf with the Cop program. Tell us about that because I think that's so cool. Yeah, Surf with the Cop, that's definitely our biggest event of the year. Surf with the Cop, I mean, the whole thing came, came about because I work in law enforcement. I also saw that, all right, I had this law enforcement life, but I never really told anything about, told any of the kids about it because there's so much trauma. I didn't want them to kind of like push me away. So like nobody actually even knew I was a, I'm, I'm in work with Homeland Security, so I'm like a federal agent. So nobody actually knows that I was doing that. And I was like, wait, well, why is this happening? It's because they're afraid of cops. There's so much trauma. You know, a lot of them were removed from their homes by the police. And, you know, some of them even have been arrested by, the, uh, by police. So there's a lot of trauma there. So I was like, well, let's bridge this gap because I'm, I'm in law enforcement. I know that these are good people and I know my kids are good people. We just need to bring them together in a neutral area and then like let them foster this relationship. So that's where Surf of the Cop came Um, we've done this now, I think three years, it just keeps getting bigger and bigger. And every year guaranteed, I'll get a foster family or a group home that comes up and, and they tell me the kids are terrified. I'm like, terrified of what? They're like all the cops. So I bring the kids to the water's edge and I'm like, okay, look out. Who's the cop? And you know, if you look out in the water, I got all my rash guards on. I got my instructors in yellow. I got my kids in blue. I got my lead guys in red. I'm like, who is the cop? So that goes back to the water being the biggest equalizer. And what happens at this is these bonds are created between the officers and the kids. And the officers learn a little bit more about what the kids go through. And the kids learn a little bit more about what the cops go through. And then it all culminates right after lunch, we do a paddle out memorial for fallen police officers. This past year, there was literally kids on the front of a surfboard that a a cop was paddling out. Talk about some unity that was created there. So it's a great event. I really think it fosters the relationships between the cops and the kids and, and creates this trust and bond. That's a really good event. What other like events are you either thinking of doing in the future or? Do you have any big dreams for urban? Yeah. So, you know, all of our surf camps now, they're kind of themed towards a, a certain um, topic that's important for the kids. So sometimes we do, uh, we do a suicide prevention and awareness camp, uh, which is another big topic that the kids deal with. So we bring in all the professionals for that. And we do an environmental conservation day. So we do uh, healthy eating and a healthy lifestyle day. So we have some of those camps that are kind of directed towards, you know, a specific area. So we get the kids in there. They trust us. We're their family. We're their ohana. We have fun all day and we kind of hit them with a little bit of stuff, flood them with some resources, and then we get right back in the water. So for them, they're more, I feel like they're more apt to, you know, interact with some of these people that we're bringing out or be a little bit more, um, have their emotional guard down when they're in, the, in that kind of environment. But I think for Urban, the way forward in supporting these kids is through our Hanai mentoring program. Um, it's something that we've been exploring for the last couple of years, and this, this past year was our first year. Hanai in itself means brothers and sisters not by blood. That's a Hawaiian word that we learned from Makua Rothman when we were out there, um, and it really just stuck with us and we created the whole program around it. 
how can people get involved if they want to get involved with you guys? So there's a lot of opportunities. I mean, the best way is just to go onto our website. You can click on events and you can see what's going on. Absolutely like us on Facebook and Instagram because sometimes we have little pocket events that come up that we just need a few volunteers for. But I always tell people, come to an event, experience what we're doing. And if you're inspired and want to take the next step, it's definitely the Hanai Mentoring Program. If you really want to be a change or be that rock for somebody's life, that's the program to do it. What kind of time commitment is involved in that? The, one of the most beautiful things about Urban is a surf camp could just be a three-hour surf session for you, and that could be your commitment. But when you move into the Hanai program, what you're committing to is 10 months of service, and it's anywhere from a two- to a four-hour small group experience once a month. You know, on the grand scheme of things, it's very small, but that program kind of branches out. So what we do is we bring this small mentoring group together, and it's this year it was 10 volunteers, 10 kids, and it might even evolve into something a little bit smaller, five and five. But if you organically create this relationship with a kid, you could actually then work with a kid or a couple of kids outside of your monthly meeting. So you get to control your level of participation. That's really cool. For people that are listening that don't, I think it's in Florida or it's in San Diego, right? Those are the two. Two chapters, are, correct. If they want to just financially support you guys, just go to the, your website to do that? Absolutely. On our website, there's our donate button and you can choose the chapter that you want to work with uh, and support. That's great. So for you, I think you live a very happy, positive life. You have to have that in order to, to really do what you do, I think, because you're dedicating so much of your time to helping these kids. Do you have any tips and tricks to living a happy life and being so positive? I think it's all about self-care. You need to take a moment out of your day to take care of yourself, because if you're not taking care of yourself, you can't take care of somebody else. You know, for me, I need to be grounded. I need the ocean in my life. I need exercise in my life. So I know if I get that, even if it's just breaking away for 30 minutes just to go for a run, that is what keeps me centered. That's how, that's how I'm staying positive. <laughs> you give yourself ocean therapy. Do you Absolutely. surf every day? I wish I could say I surf every day, uh, you know, but it's sometimes, you know, with the charity and everything, it doesn't work out but uh if there's waves like they are today i'm i'm definitely there nice and now you're sharing that gift with all these 600 kids absolutely do they all want to be there or are they kind of told you're going on this activity no it's like you know the group homes they'll just put up a sign-up sheet you know san pasquale academy up in uh up in rural escondido um you know, they'll come down with 20 kids, sign up, volunteer to sign up. So there's limited spots. So if the kids don't want to go, I mean, there's, there's other kids. I mean, we'll, we'll be at capacity at every single camp. Wow. So really more opportunities are needed for foster youth. Absolutely. So with the holidays coming up, are you guys doing any little holiday activities or do you guys take a break? No, there's so take a break. We don't know what that is. <laughs> No, we, uh, so we'll be in Hawaii, and then when we come oh, back- Oh, that's right, from, December 6th. So that's like seven days away right that's now. That's it. We're, we're, it's go time. So um, we come back from Hawaii, and then we are so fortunate to have uh, Reef, the company in our life, because they come in and they throw us a Christmas party for our kids 
every year on the beach up in La Jolla. So that's going on December 18th. Um, so our kids are super excited. They make it so fun for the kids. There's a Christmas tree on the beach and Santa. And last year there was dancing elves and it was Hawaiian ice on the beach. It was, it's just a great day. Do they outfit them with reef sandals for Hawaii? Oh yeah. Well, reef has done, I, I think everybody has a pair of reef sandals at this point with uh, Urban Surf for Kids. I'm obsessed with my reef sandal. It's all I wear for flip-flops. So right? You know, See, now company. support reef. They're doing some good work. Absolutely. I mean, any company that gives back like that, that's huge. Of course, I want to support them. So go reef. That's cool. Anything else that you want to tell people that are listening? Urban Surf for Kids is just such a small organization with such a big mindset. Uh, we're made up of mostly volunteers, which is, which is kind of crazy. There's no full-time paid staff here. You know, this is an organization that's just run by a bunch of love, um, and we need good people to come and join it. So if you're thinking about volunteering or we're coming up on a new year, and I know it's a time of reflection for people. So if you want to kind of, you know, make a change in your life or you want to dedicate towards a charity, our doors are open. You can join our Ohana. <laughs> Craig says working with the amazing kids and volunteers of this organization has been the most rewarding experience in his life. To get involved or learn more, the website is urbansurf4kids.org with the number 4. When I met Craig, I assumed the organization was his full-time paying job. I had no idea he ran it full-time as a volunteer and then worked full-time at night protecting our country. Craig, you're incredible. Your wife is incredible, and so is every single person who has ever helped a foster kid in any way. We have to change those statistics, and programs like Urban are working. As I wrap up this episode, I want to thank you for listening and for your support. Reviews are super appreciated, and please tell your friends to listen too. Being able to highlight charities and people making a difference brings me so much joy. If you know a great organization or person to highlight, reach out to me at highlightpositivepodcast.com. This week, I challenge you to find a cause you're passionate about and either make a donation or better yet, go volunteer. And if you're feeling some holiday stress, it's time for some self-care or perhaps try ocean therapy. <laughs>